you're you don't use a lot of logic but the lack of logic here is shocking to me Hello, everybody, and welcome into another edition of There's a Lot Going On, the only podcast that knows that Jalen Hurts is a better quarterback than Tua Tungavailoa. I'm David Oreo, joined as always by good friend Tom Shively. Tom, you're moving soon, so last podcast in your current digs that nobody has ever seen but me. How are you feeling? Last show in the digs. Yeah, it's kind of the uh, the exclusive behind-the-scenes look of my uh, my one minimalist sunset painting behind that I got for 10 bucks at Target. Uh, I don't know. I'm not looking forward to it, but I have a little three-day weekend with New Year's coming up, so uh, you know it could be worse. First holiday I've had off in a while, so I'm pretty excited to, to have the extended weekend to kind of get everything in order and move to the new place. How do you feel, Tua or Jalen, right now? Right now? Uh, probably Jalen. I mean, Jalen's not getting benched for Ryan Fitzpatrick Isn't every that- time. But uh, but like Tua's team is winning, but it's not because of Tua, and Jalen's team is losing because of Jalen. Well, not entirely because of Jalen. That's not really fair. But right now, I'd probably take Jalen. But, uh, you know, Tua won the national championship at Alabama, so people loved him more. So are you saying Nick Saban was happy with his decision? I mean, they got that ring when they came back and beat Georgia. So, you know, what do you expect? They didn't win it the next year, though, because Trevor Lawrence happened. But I'd say Saban was pretty happy. Well, Tom, we're going to go from talking about a team that is, I would say right now, the pinnacle of greatness the last... 10 years, 20 years, something like that, in football in the Alabama Crimson Tide to the team that has been the pinnacle of mediocrity and the laughingstock of the NFL for, what, 10 years or so? And that, of course, is the New York Jets. We're going to start the show with the New York Jets, as everyone does. They always find a way to be the New York Jets. Today, they beat the Cleveland Browns. Oh, another laughing stock. I could have just said they were the laughing stock we were talking about. But the Cleveland Browns fell today 23 to 16. Browns playoff hopes now a little bit shaky, but that's not what we want to talk about. That locked up the number one pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars. They will now pick one. The Jets will pick two. And I am perplexed at how the Jets so badly, they couldn't even tank correctly. They The Jets can do nothing right. So I, so I have a theory, actually, for both of the Jets' wins. Uh, the win last week against the Rams, I, I think if you're a professional athlete, you kind of look in the mirror and you go, you know what, we don't want to go over this year. And even if it costs you the number one pick, I, I think going, getting a win matters more to athletes and coaches than getting the number one draft pick. And you can say what you will about the front office and the fans. I think the fans obviously would care more about getting the number one pick because, you know, they have, quote-unquote, nothing to play for. But 0-16, you're with what? You're with the Browns and the Lions, the only teams who ever do it. And so you, there, I think there is a certain aspect of it that the players just want to win a game. And I, I think if you're a pro athlete, you've been a competitor your whole life, and it's hard to kind of switch that gear and go into tank mode. This week, this week my theory is a little more out there. Um, the Browns have been the laughing stock of the NFL for since 2002. Last time they made the playoffs, we did a, a thing on that a couple weeks ago. This this was the Jets' chance to kind of cement themselves as we're bad, but we're still not the Browns. And, you know, the Browns are having a good year. It was you know they're ten and four. They were looking all the world like to be a playoff team, and then the Jets went. Wait a minute. Remember who you are, Cleveland. We're the Jets. We're bad, but you're the Cleveland Browns. So it was a statement game that. The most disappointing franchise in the NFL still resides in Cleveland. I, I That's like, my take. 
I like your theory, but uh, my thing with the Jets, right? If you're gonna go 0 and 16, you gotta you gotta do it in a year where like you're gonna nail the number one pick. So like I'm pretty sure the Browns 0 and 16 year they got Miles Garrett. Like not exactly the year you want to go 0 and 16. I'd much, or was it was that did they get Baker Mayfield the year they went 0 and 16? I can't remember what year it was. I believe the Miles Garrett year was the 0 and 16 year. No 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 he. Garrett went 0 and 16 in his first year, so he was the one in 15. They drafted him, then they drafted Baker. E- either way, neither of those picks are picks that, in my opinion, change your franchise. Like, yeah, Baker Mayfield's a good quarterback, but he's not franchise changing. He can't he can't overcome a bad team, bad ownership. You've seen that, you know, his first couple of years in the league. Now they're finally good, good coaching. Trevor Lawrence to me is that quarterback. He he transcends, you know bad ownership he he would take the jets from being the jets to being oh okay we might be contenders now because we have something to build around we have he he can't break him in the same way you can break sam darnold because i just think sam darnold had more flaws coming out of usc that that um trevor lawrence does not have and so to me to bungle that opportunity to be able to have the number one pick and now to be sitting in a spot where you i think like, what do you do now with the number two pick? Because you have a lot of options. And, like, is Sam Darnold your guy? I don't know. He's been injured a lot. But the team's also terrible. I don't know if, like, it's a Sam Darnold issue or if it's a team issue. And when you start to compare him to, say, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, I'm not sold on either of those guys over Sam Darnold. And so now the Jets have backed themselves into this corner where you have, like, what do you do? I don't know what you do if you're the Jets. Yeah, like, do you draft somebody like Sewell? I mean, I think there's a few options as to what they could do. Uh, but La- even, Lawrence, even, Lawrence even almost... Penny, hold on, Penny Sewell real quick, right? Because I've heard that thrown out there. Their best draft pick, one of their best draft picks last year was their left tackle. Makai Becton's been good, like really good. And so what are you, you're going to move Becton to right tackle? I, I personally wouldn't. Like, yeah, Sewell is kind of like a can't miss offensive lineman, but that's not really like the direction I would go with if I was Cleveland. Well, I think it, I think it comes down to the do you draft the best player available? And if you subscribe to that theory, I personally don't. I, I think you take a player that best fits your needs, which you make a good point. Like, I don't know if it's Fields. I don't think Fields gives you a ton that, that Darnold doesn't. And Fields has not had a good year this year. Like, he's thrown a ton of interceptions and he played poorly against Indiana, he played poorly against Northwestern, the two best teams they played all year, which are certainly not defenses loaded with NFL talent. And you know, when you have as many weapons as you do at Ohio State, you kind of expect him to do more. Like, like he's not putting up the numbers that JT Barrett or Dwayne Haskins did, and those guys aren't bona fide NFL stars. I mean, Barrett is even in the league anymore. I don't know. And then Haskins has fallen apart with Washington. So I, I think with Trevor Lawrence, you make up a good point that he was so obviously the number one pick in 2021 from the moment he got to Clemson. And I would argue he's maybe been the best quarterback prospect that I've seen in my lifetime from when he was a freshman to now. And so to kind of give up on that, I'm not, I don't necessarily blame the players and coaches, but it's hard. It's hard to tank in the NFL. And, you know, the, you look at the injuries the brand, the Browns had today, or not injuries, but they had like four receivers on the COVID list. They were missing like four starters. So you're not surprised that they lost the game, but shout out the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, they got their one win of the season in, I believe, week one, and now they're going to have the number one overall pick. So Trevor Lawrence, no state income tax in Florida. Congratulations. You know, have fun in Jacksonville.
Well, and the other thing with Jacksonville too, I'll give them credit on this front. Their their front office group, I don't I don't think it's the same front office group, but they've done a good job of drafting talent. Their issue has been keeping talent because when they get good, they don't have the quarterback to actually lead them beyond that point of being pretty good. You know, they made that AFC Championship game, but Blake Bortles was the starter. They stood no chance in that AFC Championship game. And so having now that they have if they get Trevor Lawrence, which seems all but guaranteed at this point, you know, getting Trevor Lawrence puts you in a position where on a rookie contract with a team that is improving steadily, a place where you can potentially do a lot. Where if you're the Jets, like I'm kind of looking at the draft order here now, who's the team that's going to trade up to number two to take a quarterback so that the Jets can trade back? Because that to me is the best case scenario for the Jets. And I'm not seeing the team. Is it like Atlanta would pick at three right now? I think Atlanta would just sit there and wait to see what the Jets do. Houston doesn't need a quarterback, so I don't see them trading up. Philadelphia, I could see them going either way, but I wouldn't expect them to be trading up. If anything, I think Philadelphia would want to trade back to get more picks. You know, would Cincinnati, out of fear of losing out on Penny Sewell, want to trade all the way up there to get Penny Sewell? Like, I just, I don't know what the path is for the Jets anymore, which, you know, to your point is fair. The players and coaches are trying to win these games and it's the fans who are upset that they're losing, that they're winning these games. But I, I just think if you're the Jets, you're now in an unenviable position of you're not bad enough to get the absolutely surefire, no doubt, good player. I mean, think, remember Andrew Luck, like Andrew Luck was the first year he was there. They were 11 and five in a playoff team. Like he was no doubt can't miss number one pick. And like, that's what the jets had here in Trevor Lawrence. And now they don't. And I don't, I don't know what they do. I have no idea what the jets should do. I mean, again, shout out to Jacksonville. Cause they, I mean, I like a lot of the pieces they have. I, I like a lot. They got Robinson. I like shark a lot. Chenault's had a good year. So th- th- they kind of, it's almost a retooling of kind of that 2017 team that was so young with, I don't. I don't think they quite have like a Ramsey or Fournette type player, but or even I think AJ Boye was on that team as well. They had a great secondary that year, but they're they're going to be setting up for success. So this year went about as good as it could for them. Yeah, and we all know the the strategy to win in the NFL is you know rookie or yeah quarterback on a rookie contract. You can surround them with talent, and that's really what what you do to win Super Bowls. I mean the last couple of Super Bowls other than, you know, Brady, who was taking a pay cut. You know, those are the teams that are winning the Super Bowl. Um, Tom, let's shift gears a little bit. A lot of implications right now on Sunday Night Football as you record this. Looks like the Packers are going to win. You know, so next, going into next week, there's a lot of things that can happen, specifically in the NFC with the number one seed. The Packers, all they got to do is win to get the number one seed. The Saints would get it with a win and a Packers loss. The Seahawks need both a Packers loss and a Saints loss, and they need to win in order to get the number one seed. So they need a lot of things to kind of go their way. So we'll start with the NFC and the number one seed. What team do you think has the most to gain from getting the number one seed? I don't really want to steal your point because you said this before the show, but I think it's the Green Bay Packers just because... Just because of the the weather factor in Green Bay, you mentioned, I feel like this is plagiarism, but Seattle and New Orleans not having the fans this year, that's an excellent point. I'm going to go Green Bay, but you can you can embellish on the point a little bit since it was your call. So it, when you look at it, right, Seattle and New Orleans, they, they have 
crazy fan advantages when the fans are there. You know, they have, you know, Seattle is the 12th man. The Superdome is largely known as one of the loudest stadiums in the NFL. If you don't have fans, I think you lose a lot of that advantage, especially in like Seattle. You might get like a rain advantage, but I feel like everyone's kind of used to playing in the rain. In Green Bay, your advantage is either it's snowing and it's freezing or it's just freezing cold and it hurts to be hit every single time. And that's something Green Bay is used to because they play here all the time, no matter what the weather is. And I think a lot of these teams aren't built for that. You know, I think the Saints might be a little bit. I don't think Seattle's built for that. I don't think they have the team to be able to go in there and do that. I think they have improved on defense, but I still think that defense isn't good enough to go up against Aaron Rodgers in the way he would, I think, torch that team. So I think the one seed, because of the weather factor, would greatly help Green Bay in a way the one seed doesn't really help Seattle and New Orleans. I actually don't think New Orleans is built to go there. I think the Rams and the Seahawks are the two best teams to build to go win there. But again, the Rams have been falling apart. So I, I just I just don't love Drew Brees in that kind of weather. And you know, maybe you sprinkle Hill in a little bit more and you can rely on Kamara, but they've become so one dimensional and I I again with a quarterback that old in that kind of condition, I don't love it. Yeah, but, but Drew Brees isn't the reason they're winning games right now. Their winning game is based on the back of Kamara and Latavius Murray. And like when they do throw the ball, it's like 10 yards to Michael Thomas. Like that that is their offense. It's very dink and dunk, like not very flashy. And I think that plays in the cold weather. And they have a pretty good defense. I think it's like a top five defense according to DVOA. But like I I just if New Orleans gets home field advantage. I think they'll get crushed by some team. Like if Green Bay has to go there for the NFC championship, I'm sorry. You're putting Rodgers in a dome, ideal weather conditions against a team. I'm not super high on to begin with. I think Green Bay would crush them. And I I think in Green Bay, it, it favors Seattle. That's the thing. Like it, it hurts. Sorry, not Seattle. It hurts New Orleans in all scenarios to be the number one seed because it helps every other team. And you don't really gain anything because your quarterback can't really throw that well and so yeah like he's in a dome it's gonna help him a little bit but you put Rodgers in a dome my lord you put Russell Wilson in a dome imagine Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf in a dome against New Orleans for the NFC championship game who are we picking I'm picking Seattle all day not even close like I think Seattle would crush them and so I think I think New Orleans shouldn't want the number one seed. They should do everything in their power not to get the number one seed. But I, I think they're at a disadvantage even if they don't because, you know, as a two seed or even a three seed, you're going to have to host a playoff game against a team who could potentially give you a lot of issues. Like, you know, as say they were the three seed. If they were the three seed right now, they would play the, the Rams. Yeah, the Rams in a dome. I don't know if I love that. But like if, if they say they got matched up with Tampa Bay in the first round, like would Tampa Bay beat them? Yeah, no. If they were the three seed, they'd get Tampa. No, Tampa's five. Oh, so they're in the four. They're in the four or five matchup. I I got what you're yeah. saying. Still, I I just I'm not, I'm not feeling it. I don't I don't like it. You're you're not high on the Saints. I still am. I still am. But why? I just I I like the offensive weapons. I know this is weird because I just slandered them for going to Green Bay and not being able to get that done. But I think Camara is as explosive a player there is in the league and. I like Thomas, you know, I, I think the defense he mentions is the top five, and I just, they seem to be the most consistent in the NFC, and I think there's a lot, like, we've gotten bad performances from Seattle, 
There have been really bad performances from Tampa. The Rams obviously lost to the Jets, you know. What are they, who, who are we missing? The Bears and the Cardinals? Like, none of those, neither of those teams are doing anything. Green Bay has been – they've had a couple stinkers. So, I, I think it's – I think Green Bay has to be the favorite right now. But I, I'm still picking the Saints. So, I, you know, I, I, I'm not necessarily buying your logic if it's better for them to – what do you think about the buy? How important is it for them to, to get a week off, especially with Breeze? That I think that's the one argument that you you have if you're New Orleans, where because of the age of your quarterback, you you want the bye so he can get another week, you know, rest his ribs a little bit, let him heal a little bit before the playoffs come. Um, I, I think that's fair. Like the bye would help him more than the home field advantage would help him. Where I don't think Rogers really needs that week off to regroup and feel a little bit better. No, they'll be fine. So you're you're still all in on the Saints. I am, but we were talking about this before the show. It's kind of crazy that the Packers haven't been to the Super Bowl in ten years. Like Super Bowl forty five was last year they made it, and they seem like they've been there every year, but they just always come up short for whatever reason. And part of that's the reason I don't love them. Well, and they always have that moment in the playoffs where it's like, oh, here come the Packers. Like, like when they were losing to Dallas, and then uh, Rodgers had that ridiculous throw down the sideline to whoever. I don't even remember who the receiver was, but it felt like that moment, like, oh, Green Bay just won't die. Here they come next week. They got this. And then, nope, they are still the same Green Bay Packers they've been for the last 10 years. And I, I don't know. It, it just feels like the year. I feel like Rodgers' time in Green Bay is slowly coming to an end despite how good he's played and to me this is one of their last best chances to make and win a super bowl it's gonna be fun the nfc is certainly much more interesting than the afc i'll say that well, much well let's 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 pop around a little bit more around the nfc before we get to the least interesting division in football that is still somehow undecided we'll go to the wild cards so the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have clinched their playoff spot as the five seed. So they're in. They don't need to do anything else. I actually probably expect they'll bench Brady next week because I don't really think they care who they get in that first matchup. No, uh, no they probably want Washington. So they'll they'll probably play Brady to try and get an easier first round matchup. So Bucks, they're in. Nothing to worry about. Still, Wait, up what, in the what air. is it? What does it matter? What is it? Are they are they locked into the five? They are not locked into the five. Oh, oh, I thought that's what you said. I was like, of course no, they no, no. would rest them if they were locked into the five. I got you. I got you. I don't think they are. I know they're no, locked the Rams, in. No, because the Rams beat them. The Rams have the tiebreaker. Yeah, so okay, that makes sense. So I think I think they'll play Brady. They need a win next week. But the two teams who have not locked up their playoff spots but are currently in the playoffs are the Los Angeles Rams and the Chicago Bears. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what either of those teams have to do to win. Do you know what? they have to do to make the playoffs i believe the rams just have to win or have one of the bears cardinals also i know the bears are in with a win and i believe they're out with a loss i think that's pretty straightforward um i'm not i'm not 100 sure on the clinching scenarios though because i know for the cardinals they need to win and have the bears lose and those are the three that are kind of left fighting for those two spots well we're, i i think we both think the rams will make the playoffs so let's focus in on that seventh seed it's the Chicago Bears, the most confusing team maybe in the NFL, and the Arizona Cardinals, your darlings, the Tom Shively team of the year. Tom, it's very interesting. It's coming down to the stretch here, but if you had to put your money on it, who makes the playoffs, the Bears or the Cardinals? Well, a little background. The Bears have the Packers next week, who it looks like they're going to be playing for the number one seed. 
uh, with if they hold on to win against the Titans, which it looks like they will. So the Packers do certainly have a lot to play for. I think they smoked the Bears when they played a few weeks ago. Cardinals have the Rams, who have looked very, very bad the last couple weeks. And so also I now don't I really see why the Rams feel about that. So go ahead. Now I see why the Rams haven't clinched yet, because if the Rams lose next week and Chicago wins, the Rams would be out of the playoffs. Because so it would be the Bears the and the Cardinals. Correct. Ugh. I, I just, like, I don't want to watch the Chicago Bears in the playoffs, so I'm not going to speak it into existence. So I'm picking the Cardinals, too. I don't think the... I think it basically comes down to Cardinals-Rams. So I think the Rams are in because the Bears lose, and then the Cardinals are in if they beat the Rams. So I I got to pick the Cardinals to win that game. And so you're, you're basically picking a Bears loss. Yes, yes. Bears loss, Cardinals win, Rams and Cardinals are your last two playoff teams. Yeah, you know, Kyler, good luck going into New Orleans and winning in the first round, but hey, it's going to be more exciting than seeing Mitch Trubisky or whoever they trot out there trying to win a playoff game. I'm not totally sure that would be what happened. I think if the Cardinals beat the Rams, wouldn't the Rams be the team that goes into New Orleans? I don't know. I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure on that one. Let me let me look at divisional records. Sorry, this is terrible. We, we, podcasting. We've clearly we've clearly researched the ton. Yeah, so I I think it's based on. I mean, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. I might have to cut this part out. But anyway, I, I think I think it will be interesting to see. I think if you're New Orleans, I'd who would you rather play, the Cardinals or the Rams? Because I think I'd rather play. <clears throat> you, you ideally want the Bears if you're if you're the. Saints. Oh yeah, you want the Bears all day, but between the Cardinals and the Rams, I'd probably. I, Goff's health is a question, but I'd probably rather play the Cardinals if I was the Saints. To be honest, I think when Drew Brees is your quarterback, uh, Aaron Donald is a very scary prospect. So you would try to avoid the Los Angeles Rams if you can. And again, I think the the Cardinals are they're they're still very young, and I think that's there's a lot of that on offense and especially on the defensive side of the ball. So they. You don't know if it's quite there in terms of winning in the playoffs. All right. Well, after some terrible podcasting there, let's jump over to the NFC least. The Washington football team, the Dallas Cowboys, and the New York Giants are all still alive for the NFC East crown. I do know these playoff scenarios because the Philadelphia Eagles were eliminated from playoff contention today, and I am praying they lose next week so they can lock up that top five pick. Please, please, please. What what number would they be if they lose? Is it set? It is not set. They could go as high as three based Ooh. on how how other teams perform. Because if the Eagles lose and the Falcons, actually, I think right now they'd be the four seed, or they'd be the fourth pick. So I think they're. Oh no, I'm not sure. They they need they need Falcons and Texans wins, and they would okay. jump all okay. the way up to number three. I think right now they're the fifth, and a loss would cement them at five. Okay. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's what I'm hoping for as an Eagles fan. You know, maybe get a Micah Parsons, uh, Caleb Fairley, Patrick Sertan, one of, the, one of those guys who might make a difference on this awful defense. Uh, but, Tom, the team's still in it. The Giants, Washington, and Dallas. I think the best story is obviously Washington. But the way it plays out, winner of Dallas, New York next week, needs the Eagles to beat the Washington football team to make the playoffs. So Washington wins and they're in, they lose, and it's either Dallas or New York. I don't even know what to make of this division because it's a headache. I'll let you take over. It's kind of a who wants to lose to Tampa in the first round. Um, 
I, I don't think the Eagles are going to beat Washington, so I, I'm i going to pick Washington. I don't know who they're going to play at quarterback. I, I think Haskins might be done there forever, but they have just a good enough defense to, I, I think, beat the Eagles and give them trouble. And for the record, I think Dallas probably beats the Giants because they've been playing really well the last few weeks. i got to give the Cowboys credit. They beat a good 49ers team last week. They kind of took it to the Eagles after being down big early, so... I, I think it'll come down to Dallas or Washington, and I, I just I just don't trust the Eagles. That's what it comes down to. So this one hurts. Uh, I think either the Cowboys or the Giants are going to make the playoffs, and here is why. If Al- it, it come, let me prep. Let me put a huge asterisk on this. If Alex Smith plays, Washington will make the playoffs. I think they okay. would beat the Eagles. I think ball control, veteran savvy. I think they would win. You know, and plus you have that incredible defensive line for Washington. I think they would tear apart that Eagles offensive line. But if Haskins starts, or who's, who's the other guy, Heineke or what his name was, whoever I, played in the backup today, Allen's there too. Yeah, like I, I just don't like their quarterback play. And I think the Eagles would be able to do enough with Washington's lack of weapons on the outside, unless Antonio Gibson runs all over them, but that's not really the Eagles' weakness. Like, run defense isn't their weakness. And so if it comes down to me having to trust Washington's quarterback play to make the playoffs, and it's Haskins at quarterback, yikes, I'm I'm not liking that. And, like, Dallas has kind of gotten hot here. Like, I think they've won three of their last four. Like, they're clicking at the right time. And so uh, if you had to ask me right now, water gun to my back, like I think Dallas is going to make the playoffs and that hurts, hurts every being of my soul to say that out loud, but I I don't think they're good. I think they'd get crushed by Tampa, but my, uh, this division's just gross. Like none of these teams should make the playoffs. Hey, you say what it's competitive though. You know, you got three teams still in it. You had all four teams still in it into uh into week sixteen. When was the last time that happened? Maybe never, but it's it's just bad football and there's just one of those teams every year and to be honest, they like win more often than they should in that first round. But th- this is certainly not the year that that is going to happen. So kudos to whoever makes the playoffs, you know, hang the division champion banner with your seven and nine, six and ten record, whatever, but Man, it, it's just been ugly all year, and this is just kind of the culmination of... It, it's almost funny to me that the Eagles were, were the preseason pick of everybody, and they're the one team that isn't in it going into Week 17. <laughs> Maybe not everybody, but a lot of people picked them, or Dallas was kind of where a lot of people were leaning. Yeah, it, it felt like it was your Dallas or Philly was the pick preseason, and now it's been... like For a lot of people, it's kind of like, man, like... What ha- like what happened? Because I think people th- saw some potential in both the Eagles and Dallas, including myself. I saw some potential out of the Eagles that was clearly unfounded. Like they they didn't neither of those teams did enough to address their big concerns heading into the season in the offseason. And it's all kind of kind of played out as the years gone on. And I don't know. It, it was it was rough. The NFC's was terrible to watch this year. Awful football. And when uh when the Eagles were up seventeen to nothing in the first half in Washington in Week One, what was going through your head? Oh my gosh, it, it it was very similar to the year before. I was like, oh man, if they're healthy, this team's good. Carson Wentz is nice. I mean, they got a good offensive line. They 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 got a lockdown corner finally, and then very slowly injuries started to pile up. The offensive line was showing 
uh, its age, if you will, because Jason Peters played that whole game. And over time, that team has shown to be not very good, and I'm ready for a uh, regime change there. But we'll see what I what we, what we the fans get uh, going the next season. Uh, Tom, one more divisional spot. We'll, we'll 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 group all of what's left in the AFC into this one little bucket. So there are two, four, five teams that are still vying for the potential to make the playoffs. So the Chiefs have locked up the number one seed. They'll get the bye. They will get to enjoy home field advantage. Another good home field advantage considering the weather. They have fans. Well, and they have fans. That's a very interesting caveat. But as of right now, the Steelers are two. Bills are three. They haven't played yet this week. Uh, And then the teams who have not locked up spots but are currently in the playoffs are the Titans, the Dolphins, the Ravens and the Browns. So right now the Colts would be on the outside looking into the playoffs. So as, as the, I'm going to, I'm going to pose this question a little bit differently because of the way the NFC went. What's the team you mo- you least want to see in the playoffs? Oh, this is so easy to me. It's the team that's not in right now. It's the Indianapolis Colts. They just have no swagger. I don't want to watch any more Phillip rivers than I have to. And I think there's a little bit of a storyline with all the others. I think the Browns, you obviously have. They haven't been to the playoffs since 2002. You know, they have this core. They lose Odell Beckham. They come together. Chubb was out for a while. And they get 11 wins, presumably, is what they're going to have to win next week to make the playoffs. But in a difficult division to win 11 games is no small feat. And, you know, they killed the Titans a couple weeks ago. So this is a good team. I think the Ravens with Lamar Jackson kind of got off to a slow start this year. But they're kind of rounding themselves back into that team a lot of people expected. And then the Miami Dolphins, like... Such a feel-good story. It's it's un-American to not root for Fitzmagic. So I I, I, just, I just am not that interested in the Colts. I think they, like we saw it today, they're kind of fraudy. They went up big against the Steelers. I, I've never believed in the Colts this year. I have I have little seeds of belief in all the other three teams. So I, I do not want to see Indianapolis in the playoffs, just like the Chicago Bears. So I also do not want to see the Indianapolis Colts in the playoffs, but I'm going to paint you a picture you're not going to like. Are you ready, Tom? Uh, sure. The Tennessee Titans next week play the Houston Texans. I I feel pretty good about picking the Texans or picking the Titans in that one. So I'm going to say they win, win the division because I think they win the division with a win. So let's start there. Titans in the playoffs in my scenario. The Baltimore Ravens play the Cincinnati Bengals. I think Cincinnati, I think Baltimore's got that. That it's called a dub, dub for the Ravens in the playoffs. The Indianapolis Colts play the Jacksonville Jaguars, a team that is actively trying to lose. And the Cleveland Browns play the Pittsburgh Steelers. Are the Jaguars actively trying to lose? What do they have to lose for now? They already locked up the number one pick. This is an interesting point, but the Jaguars are significantly worse than the Colts. And so the Browns that make the playoffs next week presumably have to beat the Steelers to make the playoffs. Now, I'm hoping for this for the obvious re- reason that the uh, that the Pittsburgh Steelers would then have to face off against the let me see right here in against the Baltimore Ravens if all this happens in the first round. Obviously, the other scenario here is some teams ahead of them lose. You know, say that say the Dolphins lose next week, which presumably possible they're playing the bills this is very possible uh and then in that scenario the browns could make the playoffs but uh, i'm not it doesn't look great for the browns and that's the team i most want to see in the playoffs 
I feel you. I mean, they again with what they've gone through this year, and and you just kind of naturally root for a team that that's been so bad and been suffering so much. And it's a team that I think if they made the playoffs, nobody would be shocked if they won their first game. I think they could beat any of those teams that aren't the Chiefs. Maybe they don't beat the Bills, but like to to see them lose to the Jets and that be the reason they missed the playoffs is just is perhaps more Cleveland Browns than going 0-16. And it's just very, it almost feels like, like it'll be 2021 by the time week 17 rolls around. So, you know, maybe it'll be a little bit more what we're used to seeing in football. And I don't know. I'm, I'm really pulling for the Browns. I'd love to see them beat the Steelers. I think the Steelers are, are fake, but it, it's going to, it's going to suck if the Browns don't make the playoffs. I'll say it. Well, Tom, we're going to move on now from what has been a very shoddy preview of the potential NFL playoffs. We'll do a full preview that will be much better once once the season wraps. But Tom, we're going to jump in now. The New England Patriots did not they were officially eliminated from playoff contention last week. I think by the time last week's show came out, they were eliminated from playoff contention. So, that got us thinking, we're going to bring back something we brought back when the Browns got their first time to 10 wins, first time since 2002. This is the first time since 2008 the New England Patriots will not be in the playoffs. So it, of course, inspired us to do a cash or trash on the things from 2008. I'm a terrible host today. I don't know if anyone can tell, but I am not on my A game right now. Tom, we're just going to jump right into it. Cash or trash, things from 2008. We're going to start with the highest grossing film from that year. It was The Dark Knight by Christopher Nolan, of course, starring... Um, Heath Ledger and Christian Bale. That's his name. So the Dark Knight, my brain is just not working right now. It's probably the alcohol I've had today. But Tom, the Dark Knight, cash or trash? Uh, One quick caveat. I do want to give my New England Patriots take. First of all, missing the playoffs since I didn't get to say it last week. I'm, I'm okay with it. You know, you see them win so much. They won six Super Bowls in my lifetime so far. So they they're gonna have bad years i told myself if they never won a game for the rest of my life i'd be okay with that but we're we're moving on we're moving on this just wasn't the year for the pats maybe next year will be better dark knight is obviously cash though come on it was the best movie in the batman franchise it bale was fantastic heath heath ledger was that was one of the best acting performances i've ever seen it's I, i just loved everything about that movie there were so many good scenes like even you know when they start with the bank robbery and it's like you know they he has all the other clowns with him and then anything the hospital scene and the why so see like there's just so many moments in that movie that stand the test of time and it it was fantastic so cash well it's easy cash not only is it a great trilogy but because of the subsequent movies with batman we've got after that it makes you appreciate so much more what no one was able to pull off with those movies because they were, even though they're superhero movies, they were considered cinema, if that makes sense, by a lot of people who kind of turned their nose up at superhero movies. They saw these films as films, as opposed to, you know, big action, blockbustery movies. It's like, I appreciate these as art, not just some big action piece. I'm not one of those people. I'm just saying that's kind of how people view these movies. So I also will go cash on The Dark Knight. I'm Honestly, one of my favorite films of all time. It's in my top five. I, I love this movie. Uh, Tom, you correctly guessed this when we were kind of trying to figure out this list before the show. The longest running number one song of 2008 was Low by Flo Rida. It was number one for 10 weeks on the Billboard Hot 100. So Tom, Low, 
cash or trash? I mean, stands the test of time. Still a bop. Fantastic song. Apple bottom jeans, boots with the fur. Like, let's go. Cash. Easy money. Come on. See, I, I'm going to go with cash, but because I don't feel like it stands the test of time, it it feels so 2008. When I hear low, it, I'm transported to another time when like I was at school dances and like, you know, the girls are wearing Uggs, the guys are wearing jeans that were way too baggy. You know, it, it just, my mind is taken to another place. And so I go cash for that reason. It doesn't feel very present anymore, but it's still cash because of where it can take me mentally. It, you could argue though it's trash because it propelled the career of Flo Rida, who I would argue is not good. Not, not even a little bit, very bad. Not a fan of uh, My House. Come on, dude. Actually, no, I hate that <laughs> song with a burning passion. And that's that's a whole topic for another podcast. All right, I got you. Uh, Tom, the highest selling video game that year was Mario Kart for the Wii. So Mario Kart Wii, cash or trash? I mean, this is an easy one. I hate to go three caches in a row, but the college roommates will understand this one. We had, we had a big series going for a while. Um I, I am a huge fan of the Nintendo Wii. It was a, uh, I didn't have a PlayStation or Xbox growing up, so the Wii was like my my big time like futuristic gaming console, and I used to live off of Wii Sports and Mario Kart. So I, nothing like a little Rainbow Road challenge. You know, you get the banana, the blue shell. It's all good stuff. That Mario Kart is is still fun when I play it now, and so you know, it's cash. So this is gonna be an unpopular opinion. I'm going trash because every time I've ever played Mario Kart for the Wii, people make me use the turn based, like you have to hold the controller and turn kind of controls instead of me being able to just like do the turning based on like the D-pad and the buttons. I hate having to turn the wheel. I have no control. If you play me on Rainbow Road, I fall off way more than I normally would. Yes, I fall off a lot to begin with, but I fall off even more when you make me literally turn so I, I don't know that's the only reason i don't like it if if you handed me a real controller and we played i'd love it because it's mario kart who doesn't love mario kart but because people make me use the stupid turning mechanism with the dumb wheel that comes with the wii that you can buy or whatever it's trash i hate it they don't just you know you could just plug the regular controller into the wii and use this it. is what i'm saying people do not allow me to do this why do they who doesn't allow you to do that like what's the point of i prefer i prefer the wheel for the record so i do not i hate it i would much rather plug a gamecube controller in and play that way but that option has never been presented to me or allowed because people just don't have gamecube controllers which is trash on in and of itself to not have any gamecube controllers within a you know six foot radius of me the, the better argument would have been it's not even the best Mario Kart game because Double Dash was superior, but that's not what you went with, so I'm not going to allow it. But, I mean, that's also true, but that wasn't where I was coming from. I have many reasons to go trash here, but Tom, okay, we're going to move okay. on. The most watched TV show of 2008 was American Idol. If I was a good host, I would have looked up who won American Idol in 2008, and I would do that right now while you give your answer of cash or trash. I actually uh, grew up watching American Idol with my mom a lot. I used to love American Idol. Uh, it got kind of bad in recent years, and like the, the winners were much better earlier than they were. Uh, my, my answer, though, is actually going to depend on who won that year. Do we have that? No, no, no. It's, it, do you want me to tell you who won? I have it. I do. 
because this also affected my answer greatly. The winner of season seven of American Idol was David Cook, of course, beating David Archuleta. Year of the David. Wow, there was a David Hernandez, I think, or somebody was like in the top 12 that year as well. So three Davids, like I talked to one David once a week, and that's enough for me. But American Idol's cash. I love the show. I, I think it kind of, it propelled a lot of the reality type singing shows that we see that you know maybe aren't as popular as they used to be but that was kind of you know that was tuesday and wednesday night for me for a while you know it was whenever football was on we were watching american idol so it's nostalgic and i'm going cash uh this is trash because david cook won david cook is maybe my least favorite american idol winner he he's one of the least memorable uh, i see here that he parted ways with his label that he was with uh, rca uh, five years after winning American Idol. So things didn't go too great for him. He's now releasing music independently. I'm trying to find out for you how his career is doing. Oh, there it is. Uh, David Cook currently gets about 231,000 monthly listeners on American Idol. So I feel like I'm slandering David Cook right now and I want to slander American Idol, but it's their fault for getting this point because David Archuleta was also the better of the two people yeah. in the final that year. I was pulling for David Archuleta all the way. So because David Cook won, I'm going trash. It's like the college football playoff. Like it's actually mind boggling how often like they get it wrong with who should have won or who should have been in. It, it It's funny. It feels like more often than not, the best person doesn't win. I feel like that was the year. No, no, it couldn't have been that year. There was a year of American Idol where like they had just so many talented people who all happened to like be there at the same time like wasn't there wasn't the daughter year the daughter was there taylor hicks one that guy was awful yeah uh, i thought that was the year that uh carrie underwood won i thought nah, that was the nah, same nah. Underwood year. was the year before mm, see look at this you you know much you know your idol yeah, history better than I me do. and i respect that for the record 2006 jordan Sp- or 2007 jordan sparks won that one would have been cash of course but missed it by a year jordan sparks was phenomenal yeah Tom, the Madden cover athlete in 2009, for Madden 09, so it came out August 2008, the cover athlete for Madden 09 was Brett Favre. Some backstory here. He, of course, was retired from the Green Bay Packers when they made him the cover athlete because they were doing it as an anniversary, 20 years of Madden, trying to celebrate the history of the NFL. They put Brett Favre on the cover because he had just retired. He then came out of retirement, played for the New York Jets, and they subsequently had to allow fans to print off a version of the cover with Brett Favre on it to appease people like me who were not happy that they did not have the right cover of Madden inside their little Xbox sleeve. So Tom, after that long backstory, Madden 2009 cover athlete Brett Favre, cash or trash? Uh, This is trash for one reason. Um, 2009 would have been before the 2008 season and uh, Brett Favre, like you said, was with the New York Jets and they had a chance to beat the Miami Dolphins in week 17 which would have sent the Patriots to the playoffs, and Brett Favre was awful in that game, and they absolutely ruined it for the Patriots. It's the one time I've ever rooted for the Jets in my life, and it was miserable. They played ter- that might have been the uh, that might have been the assistant coach like knee trip of the Dolphins guy on the sideline game. I don't remember. I know they were playing the Jets. I don't know if you remember that, but I don't, I, I don't know if it was that game. It might have been, but. Just because I'm still mad about Brett Favre for 2008, he's an all-time great quarterback, and they had a stinker in that one game trash uh i'm actually gonna go trash for a completely different like a very different reason i don't know if you remember this about brett Favre, tom but he 
had some trouble in the 2008-9 season where he was sending pictures of himself uh, scantily clad to a member of the New York Jets and the Jets delayed investigating that because Brett Favre had the potential to bring them to the playoffs and overall bungled this situation. Uh, Brett Favre didn't make himself look great in several senses of my using of that word. So this is trash. I mean, it was it was a 40-year-old man sending, sending pictures to a, a young married woman. So uh, I think she was married. I know he was at least married. So... That was bad enough. So Brett Favre, sorry, trash. He, he didn't deserve the cover. That that man is a, supposed to be an idol to children. And that's who you put on the cover? Come on now. Was he uh I'm not going to go there. Never mind. Yeah, pl- please don't. You should tell me afterwards. I'll tell you uh, after the and, show. I'll make the joke later. Uh, Tom, Sexiest Man Alive, 2008, was Hugh Jackman. Shocked it wasn't Brett pick. Favre. Okay. <laughs> okay, then. Uh, Hugh Jackman, cash or trash, Sexiest Man Alive. There's something about the Australian accent that's just cash to me. So, I mean, it could be, like, literally anybody. It could be a bag of dirt with an Australian accent, and I'd probably go, yeah, you know, that's kind of sexy. And so, it's cash for me. Hugh Jackman. Loved him in Wolverine. Sneaky good in Les Miserables as well. So, love Hugh Jackman. See, I'm going to go cash just because I'm having a hard time thinking of somebody who could maybe be who could maybe overtake him the one i'm seeing on this list i have here daniel craig was uh currently doing all of his james bond was stuff this, was so that, that a casino royale year okay maybe. no that was quantum of solace Ooh, okay. solace? Solace? solace solace yeah so he, he he's a good you know candidate at the time but hugh jackman feels worthy uh, you know, Brad Pitt also still alive at this time. I, I'd like to bring that back up. But Hugh, Hugh Jackman doesn't doesn't feel like a snub in this year. An interesting name I see on the list, though, is Cole Hamels. Somebody listed him as one of the <laughs> sexiest men of 2008. Cosmopolitan had him listed. So, I mean, they're, they're going at my Philly's heart there. But I, I still think Hugh Jackman, good choice. You bring up a good point about the accent, too. It's one of the better accents. It's just, it's just recency bias with Hamels, though. They won the series that year, so... I don't know. I, I, you know, maybe maybe it's released before like the end of the year. I don't know. So they might not have, they might not have won the title yet. To be fair, but Australia. Uh, so, like, I, I just love Australia. So they had definitely won the title. By the way, by that at that point, some other strong contenders I'm seeing on here now. Uh, someone had Will Smith. That's very interesting. Tom Brady, of course, would have been a strong contender for the award at the time. But the one that really jumped out to me is Mick Dreamy himself, Patrick Dempsey from Grey's Anatomy. I don't know if he's ever won the honor of Sexiest Man Alive, but this was his peak. So if there was ever a time to give him the award, 2008 might have been the year. But again, I still like the Hugh Jackman pick. I think if your name is Mick Dreamy, like you have to be in contention every year. But, you know, that's just me. Is, is there a better accent than the Australian accent? Like sexier accent? Sure, if that's, if that's what we're going with. I don't know. I, I have a soft spot for like an Italian accent. I think I think is a really good one. But um, I, I'd go. Like I, I think there's a lot more of the bad with Italian. Like there's more of the stereotypical bad Italian like pizzeria accents out there than like with Australian accents. And I think Australian overall is just a cleaner. And like I just want to go to Australia as well. So I think part of that is just I want to I want to like live amongst the Australians for a year. See how that goes. So we'll see. 
Uh, you'll, you'll find, I think it's funny that the thing I've done the most research on is the sexiest man alive category. Like in this whole show, it's what I've done the most research for. So, you know, make of that what you will. Something to shoot for in 2021. There you go, dude. Hey, listen, any, what was the year where they gave, where times gave everyone who was alive the person of the year? They got to do that (laughs) again for 20. Did they do, who they gave it to this year? Because literally anyone who survived 2020 should get the times person of the year this year. We they all gave, deserve they it. To what? They gave it to what, Joe and Harris? Like, come on. Did they really? I think they did, yeah. It was so easily frontline workers, and they gave it to Joe and Kamala. Like, come on. That's weak. If come that's really on. what happened, I'm going to have to confirm that right now, but that, that's weak. Uh, Tom, in 2008, something that changed mobile computing forever came out, and that was, of course, the iOS App Store. At the time of its release, it had 500 applications in it. At its height in 2017, it had 2.2 million applications in the iOS App Store. So, changed how we use computers. Tom, the iOS App Store, cash or trash? Um, I'm going to go cash. I, uh, I'm an iPhone proponent. I, I don't really have any bad takes about the App Store. This one isn't one I'm particularly passionate about. I have always found what I needed at the App Store. I don't really think it's missing a whole lot. You mentioned with 2.2 million apps, you kind of cover all your bases. So it's a nice, easy place to find all the programs you need for your phone. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you. Like the iOS App Store is like great in every sense of the word. The only bad thing, I'm still going cash, but Apple does have a bit of monopoly on the on the App Store. So they kind of can change their policies as they want, take more money from developers. I'm getting on my high horse here. But you know, all I'm saying... We got to push back on Apple a little bit. They're getting a little, they're getting a little too uh, confident in themselves. They say everything's for privacy. Really, a lot of it's for profit. Let's let's scale back on uh, Apple a little bit. But I still, as a man literally using an iPad right now, I'm gonna go cash because, like I said, the App Store changed how we use computers. Uh, I did some research, by the way, on the Times Person of the Year. Can confirm that Joe Biden did win the Times Person of the Year. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris together. Uh, I'm very upset because here are the other finalists for Times Person of the Year. Donald Trump was finalist for Times Person of the Year. Now, mind you, you have to remember, Times Person of the Year does not always recognize the best person in a year, but the most consequential. So, for example, Hitler at one point won Times Person of the Year. And it's not necessarily... Was time around when Hitler was popular? I believe so, yes. I I believe I'm correct. I believe I'm correct on this. I'm going to have to fact check myself on this and I'm comfortable being wrong. But frontline wor- healthcare workers and Dr. Anthony Fauci were grouped together as potential for Times Person of the Year. And how they didn't win it is blasphemous. And the group that should have been in second, like Biden shouldn't even have been third. The movement for racial justice was also on their shortlist of finalists. Like they 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 fumbled the bag hard. Like time needs to take a look. Who at times was voting on this? Because we got to have a talk. Yeah, like Biden winning was what the fifth, sixth, like most consequential thing this year. Like, congratulations! Like everybody made a big deal out of it, but there, it, it just felt like one of those victories that wasn't really a victory. And there's just a lot that still has to be done. So, congratulations to them. Like, obviously, you know, wishing them the best in the White House, but. There's so many better ways to do it. And like Time Magazine, just they, they did fumble the bag. Disappointing. Uh, just. Uh, sorry, just just to backtrack here again. 
Time Magazine points out that controversial figures such as Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin, and two guys whose names are too hard for me to say, have also been granted the title for their impact. So all of those men have at one point won the Times Person of the Year. So yes, time has been out for that long. Uh, last year on Cash Trash Town, this is a long Cash Trash because we are just way in the weeds. Uh, the best team at the 2008 ASPEs. Now, I'll remind you, this was very controversial last time when we did this topic. But the best team at the ESPYs 2008 was voted as the Boston Celtics. So, Tom, I think I know where you're going with this one. Cash or trash, best team at the ESPYs 2008. First of all, I'm not gonna get. I'm not gonna let you get away with. It was very controversial. You you picked a team that was literally rigged for them to win the championship, and you're gonna say that was controversial. Oh, like, get out of here. The go. NBA admitted that. The Celtics is so well, obviously well, cash. Well. I don't want to spend any time on it. They, they stole a title from the Sacramento Kings in 2002, and I'm still bitter about it. The Celtics stole a title from nobody. They were the best team far and away that year. You, know, you can say what you want about 2009, 2010, and the decades since. They have been underwhelming is certainly a way to put it if you're a Celtics fan or the Boston Celtics. But 2008, they were the best team, and it was kind of the... Kind of the birth of the super team, and I think that team, you know, as as much hate as LeBron gets, you know, they weren't the first ones to do it. And I think the impact that they had on kind of how basketball teams are designed to win championships isn't something that can be overlooked. So I'm going cash. I was thinking long and hard about who the other nominees would have been for this award in 2008. Because the Phillies didn't win the World Series yet, so they would not have been eligible for the 2008 ESPYs to win this award. But am I am I am our years wrong? Wouldn't the New York Giants, the team that beat the New England Patriots, have been eligible for this award? They would have, yes. So this is this is trash. This is terrible. The team that won the Super Bowl beat the undefeated 18-0 Patriots. Isn't your team of the year? Are you kidding me? That was the easy layup. And clearly Boston, you know, they came out to vote for the Celtics because they were all butthurt about not getting an undefeated season. Oh, woe is me. We didn't get one Super Bowl. Cry me a river. And so, you know what? This is what this is their consolation prize. Oh, you won best team. I think the Giants are happy with their Super Bowl, but they should have won best team at the ESPYs. You can't give best team to a team that goes nine and seven in the regular. Like they, that was not a good team. They just won the Super Bowl, beat an undefeated football team. Just doesn't do it. Last me. I checked, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good it's, football but team. They don't, they don't give it to pretty. The award isn't pretty good team. The award is team of the year. I'm not giving it to a team that I think lost twice to the Washington football team, who was then the formerly named other Washington team that year. I'm sorry, that's got to be in the bylaws somewhere. Listen, what, what were they holding up when the year was over? They were holding up the no, Lombardi Trophy. I'm not, saying, I'm not trophy. denying Guess the trophy. The- they were great in that game. They were great that whole playoff run. The Patriots, you know, that game sucked as a Patriots fan. But come on, give it to the Celtics. Did the Celtics beat an undefeated team? Uh, yeah, name me one team that's ever gone undefeated in the NBA. Not even that. The Celtics were the favorites to win the title. The Giants were massive underdogs, came in there and shocked the world, beat the under this is this is your this is a terrible take. You're just homering it up because it's the Celtics. This is awful. All right, all right, I fine. Hate let, this. let me Every- let, let me read you some of the other award winners that year. Best game was Giants over Pats in the Super Bowl. Tom Coughlin was best coach manager alongside Pat Summit. That was a co winner that year. 
Best upset was Giants over Patriots. Um, do we have anything else? Best NFL player actually went to Tom Brady that year. Um, let's see what else we have. You got three. You got three awards that went to the Giants already. It's like it's like giving Billie Eilish another Grammy. Like, do they really need to win another award? Like, come on, no. If they're the best, best in the category, yes, you give it to the the best at the time. That it's easy. This this was easy, and the SBs fumbled it. Just how you didn't like that the Lakers were the best team in two thousand two. They weren't. They weren't the best team in 2002. They had it gifted to them by the referees. It wasn't like the Kings had a bad turnover. They literally had it gifted to them by the officials. I'm sorry. Uh Uh-huh. Gifted by the officials. If only the Patriots had been gifted the Super Bowl. The NBA themselves said that. Oh, here we go. You don't use a lot of logic, but the lack of logic here is shocking to me. And you're going to call me Homer, but you're defending the Lakers. Like, ridiculous ridiculous absolute fraud and i'm not even a lakers fan i know that's i'm the defending best the giants right now and i can't stand the giants yeah but like i feel like it's were, were, be honest with me were you rooting for the giants in that super bowl no i was not really I, so I, huh. f- fun thing about david oro david oro was a big tom brady fan as a child to the point where i had like his jersey so i was definitely like pulling for the Patriots I did not want them to I did not want the Giants to win and yeah so it it was it was very strange uh I that was I started this is a really random fact about me I that was when I started understanding the whole like picking teams to win games and that's like a debate you can have with someone and so that was the first Super Bowl I picked and I officially picked the Patriots to win I've only ever gotten two Super Bowl picks wrong in my life, and they are both the Patriots Super Bowl losses. Those are the only Super Bowls I have ever gotten wrong, and I don't know, just the random. Was random it the, was it the other so, Giants loss that you also got wrong? Yes, it was. Okay, it's the only thing I've ever gotten. The only two Super Bowl picks I've ever gotten wrong are those two. Interesting. So, that's and and actually another fun fact: one year. Uh, the year the Ravens won the Super Bowl, I picked them in the preseason to win the Super Bowl. But shout out to my friend who, I don't know, listens to this or not. He actually in the preseason picked Niners-Ravens with the Ravens win in the preseason. So just a lot of random things here that don't pertain to anybody but myself. But I wanted to talk about, Tom, we are, we are blowing past what is normally our time limit. But we want to talk about the NBA here before we go. The season has kicked off. It's kind of, it's it's been a weird one. I'll... What is something that stood out to you? I'll just let you kind of pick something. We'll we'll go from there. Um, you know, it's been three games, and I think I don't really know anything about any team. I know that's a weird kind of thing to say after three games, but I haven't. Honestly, the biggest thing to me was the Clippers' loss to the Mavs today, where they trailed by fifty at halftime, and then they end up getting blown out. But a lot of good teams lost today, and obviously the Dallas Mavericks are not a bad team, but. How you can have that that roster and and lose by fifty? There, there's a lot to to unpack with the Clippers, and this is the same team that went and beat the Lakers on opening night. So they're they're going to be interesting to watch all year. I don't think that's a shock for anybody, but today's result was the most shocking of the year so far. Yeah, and I think the weird thing is like Kawhi Leonard didn't play, so they're going to say that that factored in. But right. you still have Paul George, who I think. The Clippers would argue is a top 10 player. I would argue probably close to the top 15 or top 20 player. Like, that should be enough to get it done. Him, Lou Williams, Patrick Beverly. 
uh, Serge Ibaka, like you got guys and to get crushed in such an embarrassing fashion by yes, a very good team. The Dallas Mavericks are good. They have had a slow start trying to figure out their offense a little bit here with the implementation of Josh Richardson and taking out Seth Curry, but uh, you can't get crushed like that by the Dallas Mavericks. They're, they're not that good where you lose by 50. And the other embarrassing thing is the Mavericks strength is their offense. So yeah, you expect the Mavericks to score their defense isn't very good. And so that just tells me that the Clippers went ice cold from the field and they got embarrassed. I mean, it, that's embarrassing. And I expect it, more 27 points in the first half, 27. It was, it was 77 to 27 at halftime. That's 27 and, is low for a quarter. Like, like Paul George had 15 points of four, 4 of 13 shooting. Uh, you know, I, who else do I even name? Like, I assume they had a ton of turnovers. I can't see the full stat line for whatever reason, but it's just, it's embarrassing. And if that's the performance you're going to give when Kawhi Leonard isn't playing, just don't play. Like, I just don't play. You, you clearly aren't going to show up. So don't waste all of our time with this ruse. Of being, they only had twelve turnovers too. They shot thirty-four percent from the field. They were just awful. They were terrible, and uh, I, I'm so low on the Clippers. I I could rail them for days, but I I'll just I'll stop. The funny thing was my other my other takeaway was actually how good the Nets had looked until they lost to the Hornets tonight. So you know I think they looked really good for two games. They crushed the Warriors and the Celtics. Who you know the Warriors are eh, this year and the Celtics didn't play well in the second half at all in that game, but. The, the Nets are looking like the real deal so far, and I think if you had to pick a team in the East, it might be them right now that's looking the best. See, I, I'm i kind of with you. The Nets right now, like we felt good about them going into the year, and they still look really good. And even though they lost today to a, a Hornets team that isn't good, Kyrie and Kevin Durant combined for 54 points, which is how they're going to win games. You know, I think that's my big takeaway so far is Kevin Durant, looks like Kevin Durant, which a lot of people weren't sure if that was going to be the case. And yeah, turns out Kevin Durant is still just as good as we all thought he was. And, you know, if this is if this is the Kevin Durant you get for a full season, he could win the MVP this year. And we talked about him as, you know, most improved player. But think about this for a second. His last basketball that he played was the 2019 NBA Finals. He's had the most time off of any player. He probably has the freshest legs of any player currently in this NBA season. You know, there were the guys who had the long layoffs because they didn't play in the playoffs last year. But you could argue nobody has fresher legs than Kevin Durant right now. And that could be dangerous, you know, not only in the regular season, but we talked about them as potential title contenders. If he's the one with fresh legs come playoff time, that could be really dangerous for any team that comes across them. It's actually a really good point with the short offseason as well. I didn't even think about that, him not playing for, oh, it was something like 500 days, like more than that since he had last played an NBA game. So they're fun. And, you know, it's, if nothing else, say what you will about chemistry issues. They don't really seem to have any of those yet. And Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, I think, are two of the five most fun players to watch in the NBA, if that makes any sense. I'm not going to say the best, but... You turn on the TV and Kyrie Irving is going to entertain you with his passing and his 
offensive acumen and his kind of antics on the court and KD just 6'11 but plays like a guard is just Kevin Durant. It's must-see basketball. And I think, <coughs> excuse me, the Nets are going to be very fun to watch this year. And they they look like the best team in the East right now. Yeah, I, I think, too, like, I think people made a lot out of no- nothing with a lot of the, the stuff, the comments, because you kind of see on the sidelines, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving seem to be they just seem to get along really well and seem to really like playing with each other. And I think that's a lot of, you know, guys coming together. You have to like each other first because that makes it easier to kind of get through some of the rough patches you might have throughout a season. You know, some of those other guys might not, you know, take kindly to the net to Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving, but I I think they have the formula right now to at least win the East. Like we had talked about, I think their bench is so far proven to be just as good as I thought it would be. And, you know, it, 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 I brought this up to you before the podcast, watching the Sixers so far in this, in this early going, who is another strong contender, you know, the Bucks, the Heat, they're all kind of in this bucket, but I think the Sixers, maybe more than some of these other teams need to make a move. And the move might be for James Harden because Joel Embiid didn't play tonight and they looked lost without Joel Embiid. Like they looked really bad. And I just don't think they have enough firepower outside of Joel Embiid to beat the teams that would eventually become their roadblocks. I mean, Ben Simmons had six turnovers today. Tobias Harris added another three turnovers. Um, you know, they, they just 21 turnovers on the game. It's just a poor performance. And to me, somebody like James Harden mitigates some of those issues of, oh, well, like Joel Embiid's getting doubled in the post. Well, you can't double Joel Embiid in the post if James Harden is your other player. Like it, it, it changes the dynamic of your team. And I'm more convinced now than ever that the Sixers need to make that move, despite the fact that I'm not a huge proponent of James Harden. I, I think the thing with the Sixers was always they, they need an elite wing player to, to really be contenders. And, you know, they had that with Jimmy Butler and you saw they were a game away from, the uh, conference finals. And I think for so long, people were kind of like, how do they get away with getting that without getting rid of Simmons? And I think now you're kind of at the point, like you mentioned, you're, you're maybe at the ceiling of who you can realistically have as a team, as a roster right now, while still keeping Ben Simmons. And I think, you know, Philly's kind of been up and down on him. You know, he had a, I think I might be wrong, but he had a really good second game. And so everybody was like, Oh, Ben Simmons is back this year. You know, they were talking about how good that duo was after who they play in the second game was it the Knicks the Knicks yeah so they beat the Knicks and everybody was like oh right, Ben Simmons in. and there was the photo with like him and Embiid with the arms up like everybody thought it was great but they I, I think to make the next step they do have to go out and get another guy Simmons and Embiid just it, it isn't enough on the perimeter right now and you get a guy like Harden you know maybe they give up too much but he he's probably worth it so you know I wouldn't I wouldn't hate it if you know it's a guy that Maury obviously knows very well from his time in Houston, and so there, there, there's something there, and it, it'd be fun. It'd be fun to see James Harden. I think Harden and Embiid would be a very, very interesting duo. This is my thing with Harden, right? He one looks very unhappy with Houston, yet still went out there and dropped 44 points and 17 assists in his debut the other night. But my my overall thing with James Harden is he. If you have an opportunity to get a player who is at his peak, a top five player in the NBA, like James Harden is, like you could argue he's a top five player. And, you know, it you'd be right to argue that. I think he's, you know, again, more of top ten, but whatever. 
If you have the opportunity to get a top five player, you take that opportunity because you don't get that opportunity very often. You know, you, you look at the Sixers, they had the opportunity to get Kawhi Leonard and instead Toronto Raptors got him. Look how much that killed them that season, how not being willing to give up Mark Kell Fultz and Robert Covington tanked the Sixers ability to potentially win a title that season. And if they, if they don't make a move now than when because I think Embiid's in his prime now he is a seven foot big man those guys do not last long in the league because their knees go out and you have to make a move now while you have a top 15 player Joel Embiid when Joel Embiid's playing his best he's the best center in the league and I stand by that I think he's better than Anthony Davis when he's at his best Granted, you don't get that consistently, but I think James Harden would help bring out the best in him because it's a signal to your best player that you're you're trying to win right now. And it, you saw it when they got Jimmy Butler. He played better when they had Jimmy Butler because he had this mentality, I think, of, you know, we're trying to win now. And not having him last year, you know, Embiid got better, he played better, but, you know, the, you need another running mate, and Simmons is not that guy. I I'm ready to say it. Finally, I'm glad you brought up now's the time. I'm glad you brought up Simmons. How much better would you say Simmons actually is than his rookie year or in 2018 right now? Like negligible? He, I would say negligible. Negligible is a good way to put it. The one thing he has improved on, and it's it's his best quality. If you trade Simmons, you're losing something on the defensive end because Ben Simmons has the potential to win defensive player of the year. He's that good. I mean, I think the first game he had three blocks or two blocks, three steals against RJ Barrett. RJ Barrett shot like one of 14 from the field and he was guarded by Simmons mostly the entire game. So like Ben Simmons is a lockdown all at first team, all NBA defender, but he gives you so little on the offensive end. And when you have Joel Embiid, who is also, when he's playing really well, a first-team all-NBA defender, I think you give that up. You're willing to give it up, especially when you just got Danny Green, who is his entire purpose is 3 and D, is to go out there, play defense. And I think you would still have a top-10 defense even without Ben Simmons, personally. Right. And I think that's kind of my point in that you, know, you just kind of conceded that Simmons and Embiid isn't necessarily the answer to win a title, and Simmons hasn't shown as lot as much improvement as as people would have liked for how promising he was in those first couple of years. So, if anything, you're losing trade value on Simmons year by year. So, if you're not sold on this being the nucleus that's going to win you a championship, which you and a bandwagon of other Sixers fans are not sold on this being the championship formula, then why not get rid of them now? You know, why stick around with them and, and pursue this, this team, this concept that that's never going to win when Simmons is higher now than he maybe will be for the rest of his career. And it sucks to say that about somebody so young, but maybe this is the time. And I've, I've heard the argument too, that, you know, with Ben Simmons, what you need to do and if you're the Houston Rockets, please stop listening right now. But I've heard that, you know, the thing you need to do with Ben Simmons is surround him with shooters, let him run the open floor. But they did that a lot tonight against Cleveland and looked really bad doing it because he he does this thing a lot that really bothers me where he runs full steam into the lane. And then as soon as he gets into the lane, he jumps and is looking to pass it. And obviously, once he's in the air, he needs to either put the ball up toward the net or find somewhere to pass it to. And he oftentimes just gets caught in between and turns the ball over. 
And like, I just, I don't think this whole idea that if you put a lot of shooters around Simmons, he'll be this, you know, Giannis type player. I don't think it's really as founded as people think he is. It is. He's not as good as Giannis on offense. He's just not. And I wish he was because he'd be like, they'd be incredible if he was, but I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm a little disappointed because I think the Sixers are good enough to contend this year, but I don't think they can win the East. If Ben Simmons is your second best player. I think, I think if, James Harden is your first or second best player. I think you can win the East because who's who's better than them at that point? The Nets? Like it's it's close at that point, maybe. It's probably one of those two. Like I would still probably pick the Nets because I think the Nets would have a better bench, but like I would pick them against the Bucks easy. I think they would crush the Bucks. Actually, I think it'd be like a five game series. Yeah, I, I I'm still not sold on the Bucks in the playoffs. Nothing I've seen from any of their games so far makes me believe in them. Speaking of disappointments, the Wizards as well. By the way, your playoff-bound Wizards are 0-3. My playoff-bound Pacers are 3-0. So just wanted to throw that out there. Listen, it's it's early. Only three games, you know. We're, so we're not going to draw too games less this year, though. Hey, 10 games less this year. Listen, I, I will draw wild conclusions about the Sixers because I'm a fan after three games. But we don't draw those about the Wizards, you know. They're, they'll get there. They're, they're still trying to figure it out. Uh, Russ still looks like he... Russ still looks like how he did in the bubble, which is concerning mm. because he was playing so well before the bubble and he's kind of reverted back to that. I'm going to shoot 25 shots a game, Russell Westbrook. And that's not the best version of Russell Westbrook. Best version of Russell Westbrook is the, I'm going to distribute it and really get everyone involved. Russell Westbrook. They got enough time. I'll give you that, but just wanted to, just wanted to plant the seed there. I did say Scott Brooks would be the first coach to be fired. So we'll see. We shall Listen, see. Uh, I'm, we'll see. It's interesting. The who'd you, who'd you pick for that? I young. forget. I also forget. So wow. I right. get back to you on that because <laughs> I really don't remember. If I remembered, I would have told you. But, oh, I picked Luke Walton. You did. That's right. Yeah. So, you know. Good podcasting here. You know, we started the show the same way we, uh, or we ended the show the same way we started it, and that's uh, on the wrong foot. So, Tom, any final thoughts for what I would argue is not one of our best episodes? Um, you know, there, there can only be so much spectacular in, in, in a week of shows. So, you know, we, we, we used a lot of our magic last week. But um, it's our final show of 2020 and uh, is a year I will not miss. So that is my final, that is my final thought. Uh, well, since you mentioned that, Tom and I next week will be taking. Well, well, we're not sure exactly what we're going to be doing yet next week, but I, I know definitely there'll be a 2020 kind of year in review episode that we'll be putting out next week, um, and we'll we'll see what else we have time to do. We'll, we'll TBD on what else uh, comes out next week, but for now, it has been a pleasure. Uh, Tom, your final thought was something about how 2020 was terrible. You know, I just just want to say, if it was not for this podcast, I don't think I would have been able to to make it through 2020 in 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 one piece because my brain has been ravaged by this year. So, Tom, I thank you for this podcast. You know, it's our last show. I should say that before uh, our year in review podcast. So, thank you for being a great host. Very excited for what's to come for us in 2021. Shout out to the Blue Wire Hustle family. Big things coming in 2021. 
But for now, thanks for listening. And uh, we'll be back next week for another edition of There's a Lot Going On.